listening to the Sly Dog Music Cast. Now here's your host, the Sly Dog. Dog Music Cast. I'm your host, The Sly Dog, and joining me today, uh, you may have heard him on the Pods and Sods Network, Mr. Brian Jacobs. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good, Sly Dog. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm looking forward to this. I've been trying to do an Elton John episode for some time, uh, over a year in fact, and I'm finally happy to be able to do this. So thank you for agreeing to come on and thank you for like wanting to talk about Elton John because like I got the idea listening to Pods and Sods and hearing you talk about the song uh, that Elton John recorded that was written by John Lennon. Ah, yes, One Day at a Time. Yeah, One Day at a Time. Oh, very good. I was going to say, how, yeah, how did you know that I was into Elton John? But that would that would have done it. Yeah, no, like, like there's two, I forget what the other moment is, but there's that moment and there's another one in some episode in the network where you say like Elton John is one, like his early discography is one of the best discographies in rock and roll and there's another moment where you kind of like 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 rock of the westies is where the lyrics went south you said something to that effect <laughs> i so, i actually texted a, a terrible lyric to craig today from rock of the Westies. <laughs> <laughs> there's so many though <laughs> yeah oh. yeah i think uh i think that album could use a little editing yeah no I, I i my theory is that record is the result of burnout honestly but yeah, and and the demands of the record business, yeah. you know, two albums a year type of thing, right? Yeah, it's insane. But right. before we kind of get into the albums, like I like to start with the origin story. So, how did you get into Elton John? Well, uh, I'm 51, so that probably gives you an idea. Uh, you know, so I'm the youngest of four, and my bro, you know, and I always liked music more than anybody else in my family. So I've two older brothers and an older sister and my older brothers, I mean, they're seven years older than me and about five and a half years older than me. And they listened to pop radio, you know, in the Philadelphia area, uh, in the, in the seventies. And, you know, I did what they did. Uh, and Elton of course was <laughs> on the radio a lot in the seventies. And there was also, uh, there were a couple of, uh, KTEL albums, that, oh, the KTEL records. You know, the, the, the KTEL collections. And my my brother Steve bought one. I think it was released in, I believe it was released in 73, and it was called Fantastic. <laughs> and, of course it was. And uh, Crocodile Rock and a badly edited Rocket Man uh, were, were both on that one. And I loved it. And then, you know, there was just all that stuff on the radio. And I kind of became, by the time I was about five, I was listening to the radio with them. And I remember Philadelphia Freedom being on the radio and Lucy in the Sky and Someone Saved My Life Tonight. I, I remember that stuff very clearly. And then uh, the very first rock and roll album I bought with my own money was my... Uh, Second grade, commu- first communion. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. So what was it, 1978? 
I think. And my parents told me I could buy a record. So I was, I was eight and I got a $20 bill from my first communion. And we went to uh, the record store in the Chamonix Mall. And I was just looking, and I didn't know the albums, you know, because I'd never been shopping for records before. I didn't know what the covers looked like. There was, you know, there was no internet right. or anything like that. So I was just looking at song titles, and I settled on his second live album here and there because hmm. I knew the most songs on that one. You know, it had Rocket Man, Benny and the Jets. It had uh, uh, Crocodile Rock on there. I'm like, I got to get this one. And to this day, that is still one of my favorite live albums ever. Holy Moses, I've been removed. I've seen the spectre, he has been here too. Distant comes from down the line, brand of people who ain't my kind. Oh, them Moses, I've been removed. And then he was just, he was just all over the radio, you know, and then. And then just that kind of, and I always had that. And then when I was a teenager, I became friends with this guy who was a music nut. And Elton John was kind of a big part of, uh, of his childhood too. And he had some old Elton uh, vinyl. He had some 45s and he had some vinyl. He had the Captain Fantastic vinyl. And as a teenager, seeing that vinyl with... Uh, all of that artwork in the, in the gatefold and uh, and on the front cover and back cover, I was kind of blown away by. And he had the he had the Philadelphia Freedom single, and I knew and I was already big time into the Beatles, but I had no idea John Lennon was on stage with him. And with you know the flip side of I saw her standing there on the back, that absolutely blew my mind. So that's. That's kind of where it started, and you know, kind of mid-teens into my twenties, I bought an awful lot of Elton John music, nice. and kind of goes from there. So, so how long have you been into Elton? So, I, I have an interesting perspective in that. Like, I'm, I'm a little, I'm a lot younger than you. I'm, I, I know that sounds a little mean, but I am a lot no, younger no, no. than you. Uh, I'm, I'm twenty. Not your fault. I'm, I'm, tw- I'm twenty-six. <laughs> And right. Elton John just seems to be someone that's like, he's literally always been there. Like, right. like even as a kid, like I grew up when the Lion King was a new movie, you know, right. can you feel the love tonight? Circle of life. Like I, my parents had the soundtrack and I knew those were Elton John songs and he did a few more movies that I grew up with, like, uh, Emperor's New Groove and, uh, right. El Dorado. So to me, Elton John was always there. I heard him on the radio and stuff, but my first kind of exploration was when I started like I really went through my dad's cassettes and he had a bizarre combination of Elton John cassettes he had greatest hits volume three and okay. he had too low for zero so those okay. are my, those are my Elton John starting points and okay uh I liked what I heard um I, it's funny I developed a real affection for certain songs that like I know were big hits at the time but like are kind of forgotten like mama can't buy your love or Little mm-hmm. Genie. I really love those songs, but they kind of right. seem to be buried now. And I also love like a lot of the deep cuts on Too Low for Zero. But 
Right. I kind of came away from that going, he's good, but he's a little mellow. So I kind of just kind of stayed like a bit of a fringe appreciation for him. Like, yeah, he was he was he was a pop star at that point, strictly. Yeah, like it wasn't like you know, like I was into Billy Joel already at that point, and Billy Joel, you know, he had you know, you may be right, and sometimes a fantasy, you know, really like rocking stuff, and I was into rock at the time, so I right. just didn't drift towards it as much. But I got curious as time went on, and just realizing like how many hits he had, and then when Rocket Man was kind of starting to bubble up, I was like, I should do an Elton John deep dive. Like, before the movie comes out, I should really try to listen to the full catalog. And I didn't make it through the whole thing, but I made it through most of it. Mm -hmm. uh, so I just started, like, getting the CDs off of eBay. I got, uh, I started with Honky Chateau mm -hmm. and Madman Across the Water. Those were kind of my first two, and I really, really, like, dug into those deeply. Like, I was really impressed. Not just, you know, like, with, like, the albums as a whole, but, like, the songs that kind of time has forgotten. Like, Elton has had 57 top 40 hits, 27 were top 10, and 9 reached number 1. So, it's kind of easy to see why so many of these got forgotten. Like, right. I'm sure making a set list for him is a bitch, because, you know, like, right. like, what do you, like, what do you cut? But... It's, it's either really easy or really hard. Right, right. Like, do you, do you <laughs> just... in between. Do you just give them all the hits, or do you actually, like, throw in some, like, deep cuts and stuff like that? And... right. I don't know. I love when there's more to an artist than the hits. And Elton, someone, it's almost like, you know, you could just stick with the hits and you would be fine. But I really got into, like, his, his album cuts, like, Indian Sunset and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't long before, like, I almost had everything he's done. Um, I think I have it all. I think I just haven't listened to it all. Like, I still haven't listened to, like, The Fox and right. the one that has Empty Garden on. I don't think I've listened to yet and some of the more recent ones. But I really enjoyed like digging into his catalog as a whole. Even some of the albums that aren't like as good as like the classic run. Like I really like Single Man. I think that's a great record. Mm -hmm. I think there's great stuff at 21 and 33. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I just enjoyed diving into the catalog and I got a great appreciation for him as not just a pop star but as an artist. And Bernie right. Toppin's lyrics as well. I don't think we can like do this episode without saying like Bernie Toppin is a great lyricist. Like yeah. he's incredible. And yeah. he's good at painting, like, stuff that makes... It, a lot of the songs seem like movies to me. And yeah. I'm going to say that when I get into my, my picks in this episode. But, yeah, that's kind of how I started. Um, yeah, I, there's a few, like, other little talking points I wanted to hit. Uh, you said, like, the classic run is your favorite. Is there anything kind of, like, outside, like, uh, like it's the, let's say, uh, post-Rock of the Westies that you really dig? Or do you kind of just stick to those early records? So... When I was really getting into him, teens into twenties, I really leaned toward those early albums, you know. Uh, but at the same time, I guess while I was getting into him, uh, the Breaking Hearts album came out in '84. Oh. Yeah, so I'm 15 years old at that point, and uh, and I really loved that. I thought that was great, and then I got Too Low for Zero. I got uh, Ice on Fire. Also bought leather jackets. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, I and I just read his autobiography. That seems to be kind of a punchline, you know, throughout. You know, it's hard, hardly a great album. Actually, as I said to a friend of mine, so I uh, just in the last six months, I listened to the entire Elton catalog for the for the first time in my life. Oh wow! That, truly, the the entire thing, pretty much everything I could get my hands on, uh, and a lot of it streamed. But um, 
And leather jackets on its own kind of wasn't offensive. But if you compare leather jackets to Madman Across the Water, it's pretty embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, taken as just a pop album, it's all right. Yeah. You know, you know it, 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 it kind of is what it is. But, uh, yeah, so, uh, and then at, at, at and I, I kept buying his stuff, uh, uh, oh gosh, what's it called? I'm, I'm forgetting. Um, yeah, I mean, I had, I had live in Australia, Red Strikes Back, Sleeping with the Past, mm. uh, and I stopped at the one, I bought the one and I thought it was all right. Um, but I kind of stopped there, but now kind of in my older age, I'm developing a a newer appreciation and his more recent albums of the last 20 years are really fine records. They really are. And songs from the West coast kind of, kind of knocked me out, especially, you know, this train don't stop there anymore. Um, that would have made my list if we were, if, uh, if we were doing singles as well as, uh, album cuts. Yeah. That's a great song. And that's a great record too. That was, uh, that was one of the first, like, really, like, of the latter ones I went for. Right. And it's interesting that you picked Breaking Hearts, by the way, that you said, like you said, you mentioned you really liked that one. That was one that really grabbed me, too, when I got that on CD. Like, and I get why it's ranked lower by some people, but, man, I, I, I love that record. I, even Lil Refrigerator, which, as ridiculous oh. as that song is, is, is I love right. that song. Just right. Like, I, yeah, I mean, looking, looking back, you know, I actually just listened to Breaking Hearts again for the first time, you know, sometime in the last year or so, I listened to it for the first time in probably 20 or 30 years. And that's not an exaggeration. Uh, and it was such a warm feeling to me, but it actually, and I always liked that one better than Too Low for Zero. But looking back, Too Low for Zero is really uh, a superior record. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's there there's some just some great stuff on that, oh, yeah. especially the title track. I think. Oh my god, that that was an early one for me. Like as a kid, I remember being on a, on a bus with some of my friends at one point, and like talking like Elton John came on the radio, and we were talking about Elton John, and I was like, yeah, I like the Too Low for Zero song, and everybody just looked at me like I was a Martian, and I was like, <laughs> how do you not know this? This song is incredible. Yeah, it's a, it's a great song. That that. That could have been an A side. Yeah, I, it, it was actually. I wanted to pick it for my for my list, but it was a single. Was it a single in America? Yeah, it didn't chart okay. well, but it was a single. Yeah, okay. I, that, okay, that doesn't surprise me then. To I me, do have a. I have an imported live version of that on on a B side of. God, it might be like wrap her up or something like oh, that. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that yeah. song to me is interesting because to me, in my mind, that is melding like the '80s kind of new wave synth sound with like his singer songwriter sound in my mind because you've got the piano but you've got that kind of programmed drum beats right those airy synths like it's a really interesting song and i'm kind of sad that that's kind of like become a bit of a forgotten track for him yeah it's it's a little trancy i i absolutely love it i think it's one of his very best uh songs kind of post initial heyday you know of of his of his next heyday, it's definitely uh, uh, a top track. I think yes. there was yeah. something I wanted to ask you about that you uh, said to said to me because you know you have the you were there when some of these were released. You mentioned that some people kind of see "Don't Shoot Me, I'm Only the Piano Player" and "Goodbye Yellow Brick Road" is kind of where 
the decline started. Like, like, where does that come come from? Because, like, I will say that, like, Don't Shoot Me is kind of less than Madman, but I didn't, I never thought of that as a bad record. And Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, like, has a lot of classics on it and seems to be highly regarded. So I was kind of curious where that comes from. Was there, like, a bit of a, were those not as well received back in the day that you knew of? Or, like, what is well, that? You know, I, I could have plenty of people disagree with me, and, and that's totally fine. But the way that I see it, and, and I'm also looking at this uh, from the point of view of a couple of friends of mine that are married, but they're, <laughs> they're a bunch older than me. So they were around, you know, they were teenagers or early 20s when those early albums came out. Right. So, that is, so they're that much older than me. And once he starts doing like Crocodile Rock, they're just not as big of fans. So, uh, you know, I think uh, and I think the uh, I think the rock critics, uh, I know they loved, you know, the the self-titled album, Mm -hmm. Tumbleweed and Madman. And I think they were fairly. generous uh with honky chateau but i think once don't shoot me came around they started they started seeing the shift i mean there is more of a pop sensibility on there with songs like crocodile rock and the balladry you know that the more the the, uh the balladry becomes a, a little more poppy instead of a little more of on the earlier albums it's a little more you know, you have like Tiny Dancer, you have I Need You to Turn To or things like that, that fall more into like straight singer-songwriter category, as far as I'm concerned. Right. You know, uh, I could have plenty of people disagree with me. Uh, I don't I don't really know. But I think I think the critics uh, really started having a problem with him at that point. And, you know, and with the the out, you know, with the the flashy album covers. (laughs) And and stuff like that, uh, and I mean the the album cover for Captain Fantastic, as great as it is, you know. Oh yeah, this is. I mean it it it's yeah it's but I mean it looks like it was made for a nine year old, you know. It's like it's and I mean it is what it is. It's it's like a comic book, you know. And yeah. but it's fantastic. <laughs> it's a better cover than this. <laughs> I'll give you that. I'll give Western. you that. He looks he looks unwashed on that, yeah, doesn't he? I don't, I don't, something about it is like, would you buy an album from this man? Yeah, yeah. But you know what? <laughs> Strangely, I forget. I forget who I. Uh, I think from. Uh, are you familiar with the Rock Solid podcast? I've heard of them. I've not listened to many episodes, but I'm familiar with them. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they were talking about this album, and they they talked about what a terrible album cover it was. But I think this is a really great album cover. Yeah, no, that is a, that is not bad at all. That is so Yeah, I, I I love the the font, how it's designed, and I think he looks a little bit like a badass. Oh yeah, no, like he he's kind of got like an outlaw vibe going a bit there. Yeah, I, he looks a little bit like he'd kick your ass, right. you know. <laughs> there there was one more specific uh studio record I wanted to talk about before we jump into the deep cuts. We're going to talk about um Victim of Love. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. I was kind of curious. Um, like I said, you were there for the release of this, and I have a friend of mine that's also like about the same age I, I am, and like we kind of like love to goof on the Johnny B. Good uh, disco right. cover. Right. But 
I was shocked to learn this week that Victim of Love was actually a top 20 hit. So did this album like actually like perform wellish at the time that you knew of? Did you hear Victim of Love on the radio? Well, I, I, I wasn't aware of Victim of Love at the time uh, because I didn't listen to any radio station that would have played that. You know, and at the, so what was, was that 78, I think, or yeah, 79? 78. Yeah, so I was, I was nine years old. Oh, wow. You know, so, you know, this, the singles prior to that, you know, I, I mean, and he, he had a couple of rough years, you know, leading up to that, or, mm-hmm. you know, I guess that's preceded by a single man. No, that, uh, oh, yeah, you're right. Single, that's preceded by a single man. And then, right, right. Um, Blue Moves is before but, a single man. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah, so I, I wasn't there for it, but I mean, it's such a shift and I think it's the only album in his catalog where he doesn't, he doesn't play any of the instruments. Yep. You're correct. Which is, and he didn't write anything on it, Nope. you know? So he was, I mean, it, it was designed to just like, he just, he just mailed it in. Right. You know, right. Uh, not, not much of an effort. Right. Like I know I kind of talked about earlier, like I mentioned that I find rock of the Westies kind of be the result of burnout and the little cookie cutter. But right. Victim of Love definitely is that has that in spades, I think. Oh yeah. And and yeah. I will say this, Victim of Love is a fine pop song, by the by the way. Like I don't think it's that bad, but I do see why he kinda has this disdain for the album now. And Right. And it, you know, and actually just like Leather Jackets, I think taken on its own, like it's kinda fine. Yeah. But you know, you just can't can't compare it to some of those earlier classics. I, I just don't think it's fair, <laughs> you know. And also the live record, eleven seventeen seventy. What's your What's your opinion on that? Because that is one of my favorite. Like, it's become one of the my greatest live albums ever. It's one of the greatest live albums ever. Yeah, that it, no no doubt. And I I uh, I managed to get the uh, the record store day release. Oh, you got the full show of it. Eleven no. uh, seventeen eleven seventy oh. plus. Oh, you nice. Yeah, so that's it, incredible. The 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 first two sides are the original album, and then uh, it's got Indian Sunset, Amarina, Your Song, Country Comfort, I Need You to Turn to Border Song, and My Father's Gun. Nice. All also recorded that night, and you can see why they edited the album in the way that they did. Uh, but that stuff is still very good. Oh, yeah. The performances are good. The vocals are good. Uh, yeah, it's it's one of the best and absolutely most thrilling live albums in rock and roll. Oh yeah, that was my primer today uh, before this call. Like I listened to that, and I love the eighteen minute version of Burn Down the Mission. It's it's amazing. Yeah, and alleg- yeah, you, allegedly he cut his hand during the performance, and it was the piano was just covered in blood afterwards. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's it's on Wikipedia. I'm not sure how credible it is, but if it is, that's it's just a cool thought to think like to imagine him pounding the keys and like they're getting like splattered with blood. Wow. It just sounds like a very rock and roll moment. Oh, definitely. I mean, there weren't a lot of performers at that point that were as physical as him, you know, with how he did did the handstands on the piano and all that stuff. Uh, I mean, you had Townsend at that point, just absolutely tearing his hands apart on the guitar. uh, And, and, you know, a handful of guys like that, but he was, he was certainly one of the very first great live rock and roll performers. I mean, there were, you know, there were the early guys, you know, Elvis and little Richard and, 
and uh, Jerry Lee Lewis and stuff like that, you know, you move through and there's always been great performers, but certainly as, as rock and roll turned into rock music, uh, he was one, he was one of the greats on stage, I think. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You see some of those early videos. It's, it's insane. Yeah. Ridiculous. All right, well, we're going to... Break- real, real quickly, did you read his autobiography? No, that's on my list uh, to read next once I get through this endless Michael Nesmith autobiography I'm in. <laughs> the <laughs> infinite uh, bi- autobiography. <laughs> uh, his autobiography is absolutely fantastic. It's tremendous. It's one of my favorite rock books I've read. Nice. Uh, it's probably top three. Nice. Yeah, just yeah, great. I, I look forward to br- busting that one open. Uh, we're gonna go. You through, won't. You won't be disappointed. Nice. We're gonna go through our top five Elton John deep cuts. Uh, that's why I asked you here today. No singles. Um, I do have some alternates just in case because I, I feel like we might overlap on a few. I'm not sure, but we'll see. Uh, you are the guest. Why don't you start first with your number five pick? So I'm. Uh, I'll just mention that these are in no particular order. Uh, and I'm just going to do them chronologically. Okay. So my first is from Honky Chateau, and it's Mellow. Ah. On the window by the red favorites of his and it has been for a very long time uh elton uh doing a little bit of soul music uh and featuring the uh violin stylings the electric violin stylings of jean-luc ponty playing his violin through a, a leslie speaker uh and making it at moments sound downright like an organ <laughs> which is amazing. Uh, I think it's a tremendous performance. And, uh, and Jean-Luc Ponty's part is just fantastic. It's, I think it's really perfect. Nice. nice. That's a great pick. And that, that's one, uh, that was on my short list for a while, but it didn't make my list. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, Honky Chateau is a great record. And it's interesting you pointed out the part by... I'm not sure how to say his name. Jean-Luc Ponté. Am I saying that right? I think it's Jean-Luc Ponté. Jean-Luc Ponté. I remember getting the CD, and he's right there on the uh, inner sleeve. There's a picture of him. Right. And I remember thinking, like, okay, uh, listen for the violin on this album. And I remember kind of being frustrated because I couldn't seem to find it. But, like, now that you've pointed that out, I'm going to have to listen a little closer next time because I never noticed that was electric violin on that song. Like, I always, like, like he's he's there, but where is he? 
Yeah, I mean, it sounds like an organ. It really does. But there are a couple of points where you can hear him sliding his fingers up the neck of it. And I don't think it's an effect you can get on a keyboard, I, you know, on, on, on an organ. It's, so he's the one who plays the solo on, uh, on the album. And, there, and it does feature, by the way, a, a, what I'm pretty sure is a rare performance of Elton playing the organ. Uh, he plays piano and organ on that one, but yeah, it's uh, it's Jean Luc on uh, on the solo. Nice, excellent first choice. Oh, uh, thank you. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna jump back to the record before that. I'm gonna jump back to Tumbleweed Connection, an album with no singles at all. Uh, Burn down the mission. lyrics on this one it seems a bit like you know the poor people overthrowing the rich people not just out of anger it's not just a song born out of anger but out of need like they're living hard and this riot overthrow is going to be everything that brings you know things even keel again kind of appropriate for what's going on right now in a way too i was right as i was listening to this like this is a song i never tire of like i love elton's vocals they really soar in the chorus when he hits those high notes they're just incredible he used to have such a nice high falsetto unfortunately he doesn't have it it, anymore but he's someone that's really found a way to work with his voice as it's aged and i'm really impressed with him as a singer like that like he could start he started here and he's still able to do these songs like he still does burn down the mission in his set on this farewell tour he's on right now and it still sounds incredible he doesn't reach those highs but what he's done you know to supplement that still sounds really good i think that's the mark of a great singer um, I love the double time part, the, like the kind of ragtime church part. Like I could see like people clapping and a choir. Um, yeah, I love this song. Do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it is a stone cold classic as much as it was never a single. Lots of people know this one without a doubt. Uh, I think it's been a, a favorite of his on stage over the years. Uh, and the performance is through the roof. And on that, on that original recording, the Paul Buckmaster uh, string arrangement cannot be, uh, you, you can't forget a mention on that because it's just so good. And it's a, it's a high point on an album filled with pretty much nothing but high points. I think, oh, yeah. I, I think it's a five-star album and it's uh, yeah, every track is great. And it's a tremendous last song of an album. Oh yeah, it's a it's a you want to start it over again. That's the type of record that is, and I would agree. That's Tumbleweed Connection really connected with me early on. Like I remember getting it and thinking, I know none of these songs, but by the end of it, like it was definitely like something like I'm like I'm revisiting this quite a bit. <laughs> right. 
Right. Well, and it, you know, how it kicks in with Ballad of a Well-Known Gun. Oh. I mean, it, I mean, that's really, uh, you know, considering it's really his third album at that point, uh, it's the most rocking moment. I, well, I mean, there's, there's some, you know, the, the title track of Empty Sky, you know, rocks somewhat, but he's still trying to find his feet. And by the time of Tumbleweed Connection, he's, he's, he's kind of discovered his sound. I think, I yeah. think even more so than the self-titled album. You know, yeah. I still think he was trying to find, find himself on that album. As great as the album is, I think he's still trying to find himself. I think I read somewhere that the self-titled album actually kind of started life as like, it was literally a demo tape of songs to pitch to people. Like it wasn't intended at all as an album. Like, I don't know. I that don't could know, be. I, I don't I'm know not how true sure. that is, but it's right. interesting to think about. Right. Still a classic. You oh know? yeah. Totally. But, but I think, I think by the time Tumbleweed came, he just, he, he, you know, he had found his sound and he was just that much better for it. Absolutely. What you got next? My next is from Goodbye Yellowbrook Road, mm. and it's Roy Rogers. Mellow's a little bit of a uh, kind of a bit of a soul, yeah, uh, soul tune, thing. you yeah. know. And uh, and then you got him doing some straight up. Well, I, I can't say it's straight up country. I mean, it's not. It's not like typical three chord country. Uh, it is a lush ballad, and a, a and a you know and a grand ballad at that. Yeah, uh, with some. Really phenomenal uh, lyrics from Bernie uh, that, you know, you talked about painting a picture or being like a movie. Well, you got it there with Roy Rogers. Uh, it's become an all-time favorite of mine. Uh, I love singing along with that chorus, <laughs> you know. Uh, it's just a, a gorgeous song. I mean, and Yellowbrook Road, just every song is great in its way, you know. Uh, but, man... Uh, I, I think uh, I think Elton John uh, of his time is the the probably the greatest maybe the greatest ballad singer. His power ballads are unbeatable in in my eyes, and this kind of fits into that. It's just a, a gorgeous and, and lush ballad and a, a real favorite. Nice, that's a great choice. Uh, that's a song. It's interesting. Um... I'm going to be honest with you and the listeners for a second. Um, I don't listen to Goodbye Yellow Brick Road that much. And I've never fully made friends with that album for some reason. I don't know why. Um, like, there's none of this, There's no song on there like I really like point to that I really dislike. But for some reason, I don't 
go to that album that often, but I made a point to go to it in preparation for this episode. And that song actually really stuck out to me. It actually really made me want to pay a little bit closer attention this time. And I don't know why that, why it took this long for it to hit me, but I thought, it, like you said, it's very cinematic. And mm-hmm. yeah, like you said, he may be one of the greatest balladeers, like, like just of our generation, like not just like for you, like he was putting ballads in stuff that I was hearing, you know, growing up. So like he continued that trajectory. And this is a, like, it's one of those great forgotten songs on like a double album from the seventies. Like he was really, I think him and Bernie put everything they had into Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, like literally everything they had. They might have emptied like some songs from the backlog and that's that record in a nutshell. So yeah, that's a great choice. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I I think you're right about that too. You know, there, there is a little bit of everything on the album and I'm sure it could be argued that it would have been a better single album or maybe a better three-sided album. I'm sure there are people that think Jamaica jerk off, you know, <laughs> that is, uh, kind of superfluous or, uh, or, uh, your sister can't twist, but she can rock and roll. I mean, these are songs I, I certainly love though. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's a great album, but you know, Hey, sometimes albums don't hit us even yeah. by artists that we love. Right. Totally. I, uh, you know, and it's just it's just what our what our brain does, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm that way with uh, like I, I'm never I've never really fully grabbed onto Diamonds and Pearls by Prince, and I'm a huge Prince fan, oh. so that one's never really stuck with me, and I don't know why. I, I like Diamonds and Pearls better than Graffiti Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 shocking. I'm <laughs> I'm sorry, and I don't think it, I don't think it's uh, nearly a perfect record, but I, I do like a lot of Diamonds. And there, there is some good stuff on there. It does. It does have money that matter tonight. And it has true. Oh yeah, it's my favorite song on the album. And I also wanted to say, uh, you mentioned your sister can't twist, but she's jerking rock and roll. I love that song, but I think it has poor placement in the album in that it goes right into a song that does the same thing, but better in my right. opinion. With Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting, like I think that song is a victim of bad uh, placement in the record. That, uh, that's actually a really good point. Yeah. 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 Great song, though. Uh, up next, on my number four, I'm going to go back to the self-titled record. Uh, for 60 Years On. You hung up your great coat and you laid down your gun. You know the war you fought in wasn't too much fun. And the future you're giving me holds nothing for a gun. I've no wish to be living 60 years on. Oh, 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 oh. This was a, one of my this became a favorite really early on for me. It's got a super eerie haunting intro. And I've heard that first part we hear where the orchestra just kind of swells and then it goes away. Like that was kind of, that was just the orchestra tuning up and they, it just got left in there. Like that wasn't intentional. Like that wasn't uh-huh. you know supposed to be part of the song originally, but man, it really adds an eeriness to the song. And then that kind of quiet guitar that almost sounds like a ukulele kind of just creeps in and the orchestration comes in and it's 
big sounding, and then it just kind of stops, and Elton's vocal comes in. And it's very tender. It's almost weak sounding, like the character in the song, this character that's aged. Not like he can't sing, but like he's, the, the character he's singing from is tired. And it's some of the saddest lyrics Bernie has ever written. Like, this is a sad song. You've hung up your great coat, your great coat, and you've laid down your gun. You know the war you fought in wasn't too much fun, and the future you, you're giving me holds nothing for a gun. I've no wish to be living 60 years on. Like, that is a harsh way to start side two of an album, but oh, man, yeah. is it is it crazy. Like, it's a beautiful, gorgeous, sad song, and I've <laughs> all, I love the version on, on 171172. Um, which strips away the orchestra and it's the band. I think that version too was really cool. They managed to keep the eeriness of the song. And I love, there's a video of Elton performing this on his 60th birthday at Madison Square Garden. And he just has the biggest smile on his face when the song is finished. Like, just kind of like the irony of performing that song on your 60th birthday. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That is really awesome. I, I uh, Is that on YouTube? Yeah, it's on YouTube. I got to check that out. That's yeah. Yeah. And uh, the band incidentally rocked the hell out of that on 11, 17, 70, don't they? Oh yeah. Yeah. They really yeah. stepped the, around. I, yeah. The, the, I mean the, the, the vibe of it is really quite different from the Elton John album version, but, uh, but both versions are super effective. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's just, it, it really sticks with you. Like that was a song that like, it was like replay replay just cause like it was kind of surprising to hear that come out of the album. Like I was not expecting that when I first listened to it, like, you know, I went into the record knowing your song and border song and take me to the pilot. So to hear that, that was a bit of a shocker. Right. Yeah. That was, I think that was an earlier favorite of mine and I, I still love it, but, uh, I think the first version of that I knew was the version from uh, Live in Australia, which obviously, oh. you know, mimics the uh, the uh, string arrangement perfectly. But, uh, uh, yes, I think that was the first version I knew. Uh, and then I probably... And then I probably knew the Elton John album. Uh, no, probably 11, 17, 70 after that. So I probably knew both live versions first and then got uh, the Elton John album, uh, the self-titled album. Uh, every version's great. Uh, yeah. And it, it, it's a brilliant song. Yeah. Bernie's, Bernie's really, like, as a lyricist, like I said, we cannot overstate, you know, how good of a writer he is. And he proves it there. Like, he's writing way beyond his years, I think, at that point to embody this character this weary older character and he and he's like a kid at this, this point he's like in his 20s like how he's getting into that mindset is really really insane to me like i really admire that as a songwriter yeah i'm, I'm right there with you yeah i always do think that's interesting when somebody young can put themselves into you know such a different such different shoes you know yeah it's really cool yeah uh, any, any more thoughts before you give us your number three? I think that covers it for 60 years on. Right. <laughs> uh, okay, so my number three from 1975, the title track of Captain Fantastic and the Brown Dirt Cowboy. Yes. <laughs> Brown Dirt Cowboy. 
No, but it was a song that was hard for me to leave out, so it was in my alternates. So, yeah, good choice. Yeah, I was, I'm glad you picked this one. I had I had a very hard time not uh, uh, not picking this one. It's uh, it's one of my favorite albums. I, uh, it's my favorite Elton album. Yep, has been probably since I've been a, a teenager. Uh, so that's been a while, <laughs> nothing, <laughs> not, none of his albums have overtaken it in my mind. Um, and the arrangement of the song is fantastic. It's, it, it's, it, it's so great and it, there's nothing about it that is, kind of a, a standard pop arrangement, you know, there's right. a, a lot of chords in the song. It's, I think it's a really intricate arrangement. You got, you know, Davey playing multiple acoustic guitars. He play. I'm pretty sure he plays mandolin on it. Uh, Elton plays electric piano on it. Uh, it it's a song that I love so dearly. Uh, and uh, I'll, I'll mention real quickly, uh, you'll get to this when you read his book, but I, I feel the need to say this, that uh, I, I learned this in his book, that he was on a cruise, I guess, in 1974. Do you know this story? I've not heard this, so yeah, go ahead. He was, he, was, he was on a cruise, and I guess he had Bernie's lyrics for the album, uh, and he thought, and there was a, a piano, uh, uh, on, uh, on the ship and he play, he had a week at sea. I think, I think he said he was going from America to England, if I, if I remember correctly, but they were going to be out for a week and he gave himself a deadline of writing the music to the entire album. And he found out, I guess, after he got on the boat that there was a some renowned opera singer and p and uh, an accompanying pianist, I, I suppose, that were also on the ship, who 
uh, also had dibs on the only piano on board. <laughs> so they had to split their time. He thought he was going to basically be in the piano room the entire, uh, the entire trip. And it turns out he only had half a day for seven days. He wrote the entire album in seven days and he had no recording device. So I'm guessing he transcribed it. I'm guessing he took meticulous notes. Uh, and I find that absolutely extraordinary. That is. Wow. Yeah. Uh, just great. Uh, real cinematic song. I think 1975, I think his vocals were as pretty much as good as anybody's in rock and roll. Oh, yeah. You know, his voice was so, he could do anything with his, with his voice. He had that ridiculous falsetto, uh, but his voice was so elastic. Yeah. And I think it was never better than in 1975. I and uh, it's just, just a favorite of mine. Yeah, that's a great, great take, and a great from a great record too. Uh, I that album in particular to me, like, it feels special in the catalog, and that, and this is not a slight against the albums before it. It's just a, a feeling I have, and that is, at times they were going for hit singles, obviously, like you know, with a Daniel or a Crocodile Rock, you know, on Don't Shoot Me or Candle in the Wind, as beautiful as the song is on Goodbye Yellow Crow, That's an obvious single. Whereas Captain Fantastic to me. It really feels like it was written to be an album played start to finish. Like, even though Someone Saved My Life Tonight is a great single, it's really meant to be part of this bigger body of work, and he really captured that on that record, I think. And to hear that it was written so quickly, that's just insane to me. That is awesome. Like, And also, just to imagine being on a cruise ship, and you walk by, and Elton John's working out a song like Bitter Fingers, like that, that is just a really cool thought to me to be there in the seventies. Wow. Yeah. You know, that's a, that's a great point about that. Yeah. I, I, and I think you're spot on that he wasn't concerned about a hit. And ironically, you know, the album entered the charts at number one and it was the first time that ever happened. Right. Yeah. It shipped gold. Yeah. I mean, how extraordinary. I mean, that's, that's how quickly his star rose, you know, think about it, you know, he, you know, he has a hit with your song in 1970 and he becomes, you know, and his albums were not exactly huge hits after that. Tumbleweed had no singles. Madman had no singles. Uh, and then, you know, okay, Honky Chateau comes out, Rocket Man, big hit. Uh, Honky Cat, hit. Uh, and then, you know, it just starts uh, gaining momentum. And yeah. before this, you know, he's, he's got the Lucy in the sky single. He's got Philadelphia freedom. So it's just exploding for him. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, th I think you're spot on with that, that yeah. this was written as a piece. And incidentally, if you're, if you're not aware, I'm pretty sure this is Bernie's favorite album. But it's not Elton's favorite album. I think Elton's favorite album is Yellbrook Road. Interesting. Interesting. And it's interesting that also that they would do the sequel to this, Captain and the Kid, some years later. I have not right. heard that one. Do you have any thoughts on that record? Uh, I've only listened to it once. Yeah. Uh, and it was only a few months ago. I think 
everything from songs from the West Coast on uh, sounded very solid. Uh, there's a bit of sameness in uh, stylistically only here. So, you know, I listened to all those records in a fairly short period of time and being familiar, being vaguely familiar with so few songs, you know, there was a little bit of, you know, the songs running together in my mind, but still solid and a lot more solid than a lot of the stuff than certainly some of the stuff he was doing in the eighties and probably parts of the nineties. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, That's one of the few I haven't heard yet, but I will get to that record eventually. Yeah. Great choice. And uh, for anyone listening, thinking about doing a deeper dive on Elton, I think Captain Fantastic as an album is a great place to start outside of the greatest hits collections. So yeah. With that, I'm going to jump to my number three pick. We're going to go with a bit of a rocker this time from Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. All the Girls Love Alice. Girls love Alice. Tender young Alice, they say. Come over and see me. Come over and please me. If I give you my number, will you promise to call me? Wait till my husband's away. Man. I love the guitar sound on this song. It's a great way to show off the original Elton John band, and Davy Johnstone is just playing his ass off. And it ties with the title track on that record is my favorite. Um, it's upbeat. It's driving. Uh, Bernie's the lyrics on this one kind of like the last one are dark, but it sounds happier in a way. You know, there's a line about you know she, only last Tuesday they found you in the subway dead. It's a, about this like you know young girl kind of exploring her sexuality and like you know being a bit of a tease. I love the chorus, you know, come over and see me, wait till my husband's away, you know. That is, it's a racy song for the 70s, but man, it is a great rocker. Like, this is, I'm surprised, like, this wasn't, like, a, a single or, like, this isn't more of a more, more performed song for him. I saw it's on the set list for the Farewell Tour, which is really cool, but, man, this song really hit me the first time I heard it, and I still love it. I play it a lot. Uh, thoughts on this one? It's an awesome song. Great pick. Yeah. Great pick. Um, uh, it's it's one of the reasons why Yellow Brick Road I think is a great album. Uh, yeah, it's it's a pretty dark story. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think yeah, Bernie did a tremendous job with the lyrics on it, and man, it seems like Elton would always just read his words, his lyric, Bernie's lyrics, and just hit a home run with choosing. The, the style and the way and the way to sing it, just the, the way to interpret his partner's lyrics. What a tremendous gift the guy has. Absolutely tremendous. What a right. performance. What a great song. What a great pick. <laughs> yeah, hell of a pick. 
And I love also, I forgot to mention this, the stop kind of start nature of the song. Like the verses are very fast and kind of frantic in a way, but then the chorus comes along and it's kind of floating, you know, all the young girls love Alice. And then it kicks back in with those big, big drums. It's, yeah, this is a great pick. And you made a great point, like, yeah, to look at these lyrics and go, okay, I'm going to make this a big, rocking, you know, almost glam rock type song, like like these dark lyrics, and do that. Like, that's a really cool talent. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you. That's a great, great pick. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, what what you got up next? So th this is the only one I struggled with a little bit, but I decided to go with it. And I am actually going to go with the Rock of the Westies album. Okay. I'm going to go with the track buried toward the end of the album, Feed Me. They're all trying to kill me. I've seen the walls moving. They've all heard me screaming. Talk about this one. Yeah, so, uh, you know, uh, anybody listening to this, you know, might, might know the story. He after, uh, after Captain Fantastic, he dumps the original Elton John band, minus uh, Davey Johnstone, or Johnston, I, I, I don't know how you say it, but, you know, Johnstone, we'll say Johnstone. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, he, and Ray Cooper had been with the band already. I believe, and he kept Ray Cooper, the percussionist. Uh, and he re-recruits Caleb Quay from the early days uh, on the album, uh, who was also in the band uh, Hookfoot, I believe. Mm. Yeah. Um, and uh, he uh, also... Uh, uh, he gets Roger Pope, Kenny Passarelli... Uh, and James Newton Howard uh, to uh, to uh, fill out the band. And what I find so fascinating about the two albums that this band is on, I find so fascinating is these guys are clearly very different players than the old uh, than the previous Elton John band. Even though you know Davy is still in the band, there's a whole different sensibility. And I do wonder if it came from James Newton Howard. From uh, I'm pretty sure he's a tremendous musician, and there's a different melodic sensibility that came out on on these next two albums with with this band, and this song is a is a real shining example of it. And it, it's not on all the songs, but Feed Me I think is a great example of it. There's definitely the feel of kind of a jazz fusion band. Uh, 
trying to, you know, that, that the riff that runs through that is nothing like he had ever done before. Uh, I don't want to, you know, it, the, the melody is, you know, not so radio friendly. Suddenly it's a little, it's a little tougher. It sounds like it absolutely, you know, almost sounds like it could have been on a Pat Metheny album or, <laughs> or something like that. Uh, I think this is a, a really great deep cut. Uh, it's, uh, there's a lot of light, lyrically a lot of light material on this album. Yeah. Uh, as we mentioned, you know, the, the, the lead off track is lyrically, you know, it's a fun song, but it's very weak. Dan Dare, I mean, seems kind of tossed off lyrically. Island Girl, you know, the, the big hit from the <laughs> album. You know, uh, you know, the album doesn't get a little serious until the last song of, of the first side, you know, I feel yeah. like a bullet in the gun of Robert Ford. But I think the second side of the album is a lot more solid. It seems like more of an effort uh, from all of them. And I think Feed Me is a great performance and a great vocal from Elton. He just absolutely belts it at the end when he's just singing Feed Me, Feed Me. Uh, at the end, and the band is just so tight, so tight, and and great. You know, I I, I think it's just a, a, a an awesome tune. Nice, nice. That's an interesting pick. Like I will say, like even though like I'm not as big that big on the Rock of the Westies album, that is a song that stands out to me. Uh, like you said, the vocal is very good on that one, and it does. It feels like there was some more effort put into that one. It doesn't feel like fillery to me like some of the other songs do so that's actually like if i had to choose a song off this album that would be one of the ones i would pick but i'd say my favorite is uh i feel like a bullet in the gun of robert ford that kind of harkens back to tumbleweed connection i think a bit that song but yeah interesting pick i'm, I'm glad you picked that one that's a that's an interesting pull it's a deep cut yeah, that's definitely a deep Deep cut. I, was, I did not think anything from this album would make it into the the list, but that's a, that's a pleasant surprise. Yeah, good choice, man. Good choice. I could have picked twenty other songs, but I decided to go with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not a bad one. Uh, I'm gonna go up next. Uh, closing song from Caribou with "Ticking." Promising to hurt no one, providing they were still. A young man tried to make a break With tear-filled eyes you kill You kill That gun butt felt so smooth and warm Cradled in your palm Oh, your childhood cried out into your head They mean to do your harm Ticking, ticking, pay your penance, well, my child, feel where angels tread. Here it, here it, ticking, ticking. I seem to be picking the dark songs, and that was not oh, yeah. intentional, but uh, this song really hit me for the first time 
like doing prep for this episode. Like I'd heard it before, but I hadn't paid attention to it. Um, I, the it, unfortunately the song before it is "Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me," which I think is one of his best singles. Um, I love that song and adore it. And it seems like after I hear that song, my brain kind of shuts off. But I was listening to the song a little, like the album a little closer this time, and I the lyrics actually kind of caught my ear this time, and I was like, "Whoa!" Like this song is from like '75, I think. 74. 74. The song's from 74, and it feels like it could have been written yesterday. It's about that quiet guy no one thought would hurt a fly, but then he one day one day he snaps, and he starts knifing and, knifing and shooting people in a di- diner. Like, there's even a lyric in the song where it says a male Caucasian with a gun, like, is killing people in Queens or something like that, is, is, like, is like the effect of the lyric. And it just really hit me. Like, it was like, wow, this came out in 74. Like this song is that is that old and it's still very relevant, but the lyrics are so cinematic. Like I can see the movie in my mind. I can see the kid. I can see the cop car slowly coming up the driveway and the mom coming out. You know, kind of wondering what's going on. Like it plays in my head like a movie when this song when I hear this song and the lyrics. My God, like I said, the pictures painted. They pumped you full full of rifle shells as you stepped out the door. You danced in death like a marionette on the vengeance of the law. Like that, like the image, the imagery to, that puts in your brain of someone getting shot up, but to put it in those words, that like that's insane to me. And it's a very bare bones song too. It's Elton's voice, a piano, and a little extra synth. It's just, yeah, it's haunting, it's beautiful, and it's some of Bernie's best lyrics, I think. It's like, it could be a movie. What do you think? If I was going to pick a song from Caribou, it would be Ticking. Nice. Yeah, it's, uh, I think it's a masterpiece. And it's, it's so interesting because, you know, I think of this, you know, uh, from the start of his career, like, I kind of go through blue moves. Like, I, th- I think that's kind of the, 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 uh, the prime uh, uh, part of his career. And I think that there are two careless albums in that whole stretch. And I think it's caribou and rock of the Westies Hmm. Uh, because some of the tracks on the, uh, some of the tracks on the album are real head scratchers. And don't (laughs) get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely love caribou. It's one of the, it's one of the first albums I got heavily into as a teenager. I found a cassette of that. I forget where for four bucks and I played it incessantly. And, uh, but, you know, kind of looking at it as an adult stinker, I mean, is, is a fantastic <laughs> rocker. I, I love it. But the words are absolutely mind boggling, you know, and the fact that, <laughs> I mean, I, I guess Bernie wrote, you know, just X amount and would say, here you go. And he's like, well, it's time for an album. So I guess I got to use the one that says burning vermin stink. <laughs> you know? uh, so, there, you know, I think there's some really careless lyrics on the album, but I love this album deeply. I think the song uh, Pinky is absolutely gorgeous. Yep. Um I love, I've seen the saucers. I, I do. That's too. great. Uh, you're so static is great. Don't let the sun go down on me. Of course, 
but ticking is just it's it's masterful and it really honestly regardless of of any other track on the album it really seems to come out of left field doesn't it yeah it nothing on the album it's, like has that much weight maybe other than don't let the sun go down on me yeah it's it's so dark and I believe it's based on a true story. I believe, but I don't know that for a fact. I think I read that at some point. Hmm. Um, you know, bigger Elton John fans out there don't don't have my head if I got that wrong. But <laughs> uh, but what I, I I think it's a great great uh, piece of artistry, and. Uh, I think it's one of the best vocals of his career. I agree. I agree. And I, I will also agree with you on the Caribou album. There's some weird stuff on there. For me, the weird one, though, is uh, Solar Prestige A Gammon. Like, right. that song is the head-scratcher to me. Yeah. yeah. I think it's I, I think it's just, uh, you know, how uh, John Lennon uh, threw that language together at the end of uh, Sun King. Cuando, para mucho, you know, I think it's nonsense. You know, I think there are some real words probably thrown in there, but I'm not sure uh, they're all real words. I could be <laughs> wrong. Uh, yeah, it, it, that's a head scratcher. Yeah, that's no a, doubt. That's a weird one, but yeah. Ticking, I agree, masterwork. And sadly, still very relevant. Sadly, still, like I said, it sounds like a new song in some ways. Yeah. It could have been written yesterday. I, I'm in total agreement with you. Yeah. Uh, what you got up next? So my my final pick. Yeah, I, I had a feeling we weren't going to have any any overlaps. I just I'm, had a feeling. I'm surprised. <laughs> I'm I'm really surprised. This is this is a shock. Uh, my number five uh, is from the Blue Moves album. Mm. And it is another one right toward the end of the album, and it's Idol. Cause the 50s shifted out of gear. Mm, he was an idol then. Now he's an idol here. But his face has changed. He's not the same no more And I have to say That I like the way The music sounded before He was tight-assed Walking on broken glass Highly prized in the wallet size The number one crush In a schoolgirl's eyes But don't pretend that it won't end In the depth of your despair You went from lawmy suits Right down to tennis shoes To peanuts From the lion's share Alright uh, it's, it's been a real favorite of mine for a long time 
it's another one that kind of doesn't it doesn't sound like anything else in his collection i mean it's like a faux piece of jazz you know it's uh uh with a absolutely beautiful horn arrangement uh in there and a um sax solo i think by david sanborn i'm going to double check that right now it's the brecker brothers uh on the horn section and uh david sanborn uh on the uh on the sax solo uh i'm not sure do you know the song so this is one of the few songs uh the blue moves album is one of the few is like one the one album from the 70s i'm not familiar with um so i i, I don't have much to add to this one I, but I will definitely be checking that out. That album has always seemed a little intimidating. It's a double album, uh, and not like in like Goodbye Yellow Brick Road's a double album. I mean, it's two di- two CDs that like that's very sprawling. And I've honestly not heard a lot of good things about that album. But I am willing to give it a try. Uh, you definitely make it sound like a great track. So, yeah. It, it really is a great track. I'm I've never been quite certain who the song is about. I'm not sure. Sh- I've always thought it might be about Elvis. He says, uh, 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 what's, uh, what's the line in the song? He says, uh, oh, he's, he, he says at the end of the kind of chorus, he says, and I like the way his music sounded before, but I, I, I'm not sure who the, who the song is about. Uh, it's a, it's a gorgeous performance and, uh, one that I, I've, held very close to my heart for a long time. Blue Moves is a very challenging record. And you you, you picked up on that uh, very astutely somehow. <laughs> uh, it's it's not an easy album. It's a dark record lyrically. It was uh, it was uh, the it was the set of lyrics that Bernie wrote uh, as he was getting divorced from his tiny dancer. Mm. His wife was I believe her name was Maxine. She was the tiny dancer, and uh, there's some there's some dark songs on here tonight, which is the first real song on the album is about a couple fighting. Uh, there's uh, a stunningly gorgeous song called uh, "Cage the Songbird." I highly recommend that. Crosby and Nash sing the harmonies on that, nice, and also on. Uh, uh, the Wide-Eyed and Laughing, which is a really dark song. Uh, it's a great album, but it's a tough album, and I think it's a flawed album as well. But I think the greatness of the album overshadows the weakness of the album. Nice. I really do. And I think uh, I think if you if when we get done tonight, if you just popped on Idol and you on the headphones and you turned it up, I think I think you'd hear what I'm hearing. I, th- I think I will do that. I'll definitely do that. And, yeah, I think I'll finally try and give that a deeper dive. Eventually, yeah. But what I've read online just has not been the most positive of that album, but I'm willing to give it a shot. I bought it. I have it, so I'm, uh, it's it's inevitable. <laughs> Incidentally, it's one of Elton's favorites. Oh, really? One of his favorites, yeah. Really? I think he was very proud of the of the work that went into it. Yeah, I know sorry seems to be the hardest word, but even I've always found that song. Like, I don't dislike it, but it's it's a really sad song. It and is. It's a hard and it's, yeah, and I think it's one that he loves deeply because it's always been, 
I think it's a one that he's played in concert an awful lot. Yeah. Uh, I I think it's a great one, but I found it to be a very odd choice for a single. Uh, and I'm not sure what the single really would have been from this album because it it's a it's, it's kind of a weird album, you know. Uh, it's a it's a little bit of a hodgepodge, but uh, but I do love it. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Nice. So, maybe, what's 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 your final pick? I'm my, excited. My my final pick. We're gonna go back to Madman Across the Water, Indian Sunset. Trampling down on the prairie rose, leaving hoof tracks in the sand. Those who wish to fight me I welcome with my hands I heard from passing renegades Geronimo was dead He'd been laying down his weapon Filled him for of a Possibly my favorite Elton John song. And like the last one, it's super cinematic with the orchestration. It's beautiful. Elton's voice sounds incredible. And it bounces kind of between angry and tender at times. Like he's, he is the character right. in the song. Uh, it's a song about the genocide we committed against the Indians from the perspective of one of them. And at the end of the song, the character seems very resigned to his fate. You know, peace to this young warrior comes with a bullet hole. That's a hell of a way to end a song and that high note he hits when he hits bullet hole is just gorgeous like i love i love this song it's my yeah it definitely is my favorite elton john song it's one thing i go to like if i just have time to listen to one song by him i usually go to this like i can't get enough of it bernie's lyrics are incredible like like we talked about like him like elton taking a set of lyrics and just making a song out of it like i can only imagine like getting these because it's a very not tra traditional structure. There's no real verse chorus, verse chorus to this song. Um, Elton getting these lyrics and putting this together like it, that had to be something of beauty. Like it's just gorgeous and something he still loves to play live. Like he's even said like, you know, I'll play it live and nobody will know it, but it goes over great. And there's a reason for that. Like it's just that special of a song, I think. So yeah, this is my number one and it's going to be the song that closes the episode too. Awesome. Yeah. Hey, I think it, it's such a brilliant song. It's, it is a true career highlight of his. Uh, beautifully written, beautifully performed. Uh, that string arrangement from Paul Buckmaster, amazing. I'm not sure what the song would be without that string arrangement. Uh, I mean, e even though uh, 
on that extended 11, 17, 70, uh, I, I've, I'm pretty sure it's just a solo piano version. And it does work, and it works beautifully. But, man, how, how beautiful is that arrangement on that album, right? right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. And as a teenager, when I was getting into that, man, that one hit me hard. That one hit me real hard. I, I, I love that one. It's a great pick. Yeah, it's incredible. It's a great way to end the, that first side of the album, too. Just, wow. Yeah. I, I love that song. And I also got a note, um, I, I, being younger, my first taste of this song was hearing it sampled in Tupac's Ghetto Gospel. Hit him with a little ghetto gospel Those who wish to follow me My ghetto gospel I welcome with my hands And the red sun sinks at last Into the hills of gold And peace to this young warrior Without the sound of guns If I could recollect before my hood days I sit and reminisce and I remember knowing at the time, like, I thought it was like Elton had just done that for the song. I didn't know a whole another song that came out of it. So right. years later, like when when I was when I got Madman Across the Water, and that came up, and he starts doing that part of the song that sampled. I was like, whoa, that was a sample. Like right. I, I thought it was like written for the Tupac song for some reason, and. Yeah, it was really cool to hear it in like the context it was intended, but it fits. Yeah, just a, a great, incredible song, and yeah, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, you had you brought a lot of good stuff to the table. Did you have any honorable mentions you wanted to throw out? Oh, Jesus! <laughs> you know, uh, funeral for a friend could certainly be in there. Uh, this song has no title. I love that. Um, Oh, Jesus. Harmony. Nice. Uh, Have Mercy on the Criminal. Mm. <laughs> There's so many. Oh, Talking Old Soldier. That was, that was, uh, that was an early consideration. Uh, if we were doing singles, Someone Saved My Life Tonight would have been in there. Nice. Uh, and This Train Don't Stop There Anymore would have also been in there. And maybe even Empty Garden. Nice. Uh, so many great songs, so many. Jesus. And you know, if we if we were doing an '80s episode, Two Love for Zero" would be in there, and all kinds of other stuff. We Man, may have, we may, we may have to do that next year. We may have to do '80s Elton John. Yeah, you let you let me know. That Man, I I love Elton John. Yeah, this was strictly '70s, wasn't it? Yeah, and it wasn't even intentionally that, but it just kind of happened. Like I said, Two Love for Zero" was on my list originally, but I ended up cutting that because. It was technically a single, and I also had a Satorial Eloquence, but that was actually oh, uh, that was actually a single too. Believe it or not, it got to forty-two uh, on huh. the charts, uh, which is interesting to me. That twenty-one at thirty-three, right? Yeah, that's twenty-one at thirty-three. Yeah, the hit was uh, "Little Genie," which is one of my favorite Elton songs. I think that song is beautiful, and it might have been a number one hit. And it's one of those ones that like he never plays anymore. Like it's just kind of forgotten. Like. Like, how right. good of a writer are you, like, and a musician that you have number one hits that are just kind of lost? Right. Like, that is... Uh, was that album Bernie or Gary Osborne? I there feel were... like it 
It was not Bernie, or maybe it was a combo. It was a combo. It was a little bit of both on that one. Okay. Like I know, yeah. I remember Bernie did uh, "White Lady, White Powder." Right. And uh, the opening track, I think I know, was a Bernie song. Yeah. Was that "Chasing the uh, Crown"? Yeah, "Chasing the Crown." That's it. Right. I knew it was something like that. Right. But yeah, I think I'll just read off my uh, alternate right. real quick. Uh, yes. Sir. I had a. Uh, Go ahead, yeah. Bitter Fingers, uh, Mona Lisa and Mad Hatters, oh. I think is a great song from Honky Chateau. Uh, love song from Tumbleweed Connection, to me that is like the first Eagles song. It's very Poco-esque and Eagles-esque with the layers and layers of vocals. Uh, it's Elton John and Leslie Duncan, great song. Uh, not written by Elton and Bernie, written by Leslie Duncan, very interestingly. Right. And uh, Amarina too, I think Amarina is a great song. Oh, right. Do you know the, uh, the Here and There album? I do not, uh, but I, I, it's on my list to get. It's one of the few I don't have. Uh, he brings Leslie Duncan out on the uh, first side of that album uh, to uh, to do that song with him. And as great as the version is on Tumbleweed, the first version I knew was that live version, and it's a it's a great duet, full band guitar solo. It's great. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I'm definitely gonna have to check that out. Um, I did have one more little talking point I wanted to touch on before we wrap things up, and that is uh, Rocket Man, the movie, and his farewell tour. Like, starting with the movie, did you go see it? And if so, what did you think? So I have not seen Rocket Man. Uh, I have a I have a 12 year old at home, <laughs> uh, and my wife and I usually watch TV with him every night. And that movie, I know for a fact, is not for a 12-year-old. No. <laughs> no. Uh, so I've not seen it yet. One of these nights, my wife and I are just going to tell my son to go uh, watch his Kindle in the other room while we watch Rocket Man. Uh, so, yeah, we, we haven't seen it yet, but it is definitely on the list. I, I really do want to see it. Nice. Um, the Farewell Tour uh, – I thought briefly about going to see it, but you know, for a guy like him to get a decent ticket, I mean, it's just, it's, it's so much money. I know. Yeah. I've never seen him and I've been looking at tickets and they are insane. And it's not like a show, like it's not one of the shows, like, like I go to a lot of shows and I take my wife with and she, and she's like, you know, you could have gone alone, but this is a show where she'd actually like to go. So like finding tickets that are like, you know, affordable, it's ridiculous it's it's totally ridiculous i saw elton three times i uh well i saw him with billy joel too actually now that i think about it uh at veteran stadium in philadelphia uh i also saw the first time i saw him i think was uh around the time uh, it was after ice on fire came out so I was a teenager. I was. So that's an early I? show for you. Wow. It's a pretty early show for me. Yeah, the band Wet 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 opened. <laughs> 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 I I to remember that, uh, and I saw two nights in a row. I think on the uh, Red Strikes Back tour. Nice. And then and then I saw him with uh, with Billy Joel. Nice. Uh, but uh, I remember one of the shows, him playing the ballad of Danny Bailey. I remember one wow. of them, him playing Better Off Dead. You know, wow. 
Yeah. Yeah. Going deep. I um, love it. And it's interesting. I've seen like I've never seen him live, but I'm I'm a set list junkie. I like looking at and seeing like what he played on past tours and what songs got played and what songs survived. The Red Strikes Back tour had a really good set list. Right. I think right. like, that Mona Lisa's and Mad Hatters. He opened a lot of the shows with Sixty Years On. Like that was a killer set list. Yeah, and that's I, I if I'm not mistaken, somebody could correct me, but I think that's when he started playing Funeral for a Friend again. Oh yeah, uh, and I was thrilled to have uh, been able to see that. I'm surprised that's, that's. I'm surprised you dropped that from the set list. That is. I I, I think he did. I think he did. I I'm no uh, Elton John set list aficionado, but uh, man, I do love me some Elton. Yeah. He's 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 one of my favorites. And I I have to say I think his set list for the farewell tour that I've seen online. I think it's really solid. Uh, he doesn't really go that much outside of uh, Captain Fantastic. Like a lot of the stuff is like that or before. Uh, the only stuff I see in the set that's really outside of it is like uh, I guess that's why they call it the blues. I'm still standing, and sorry seems to be the hardest word. But, like it's mostly that really early '70s stuff. So it would be a really good show to see. Interesting, yeah. Yeah, like, like like the second song in the set is All the Young Girls Love Alice. So, wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. yeah I'll, I'll, I'll read you the... Uh, I had it up a second ago. I'll just edit this down. Elton John set list. Benny and the Jets. All the Girls Love Alice. Guess that's why they call it the Blues. Border Song, Tiny Dancer, Philadelphia Freedom, Indian Sunset, Rocket Man, Take Me to the Pilot, Sorry Seems to Be the Hardest Word, Someone Saved My Life Tonight, Leave On, Candle in the Wind, Funeral for a Friend, Burn Down the Mission, Daniel, Sad Song Say So Much, Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me, The Bitch is Back, I'm Still Standing, Crocodile Rock, Saturday Nights, All Right for Fighting, and the encore is Your Song and Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. Wow. Like that is that's a hell of that's amazing. That is a hell absolutely of a amazing. Yeah, that is an, a hell of a set list. And think of I look at it and think of like all the hits he left out, like and that he's plet for playing, like, you know, Burn Down the Mission and, and Leave On and stuff like that. Like he left out, you know, stuff like, you know, Nikita and right. like, that. like like which is really it's cool with me. Like it, it's it like he could have easily gone for like a easy like hits, you know, all the way through type of show. But no, it's his farewell tour, and he's been playing pretty much the same set list the whole tour. Like, right. Like, I think he might have swapped out one song for I Want Love a few nights, but that's about it. Right. Yeah, so. Right. He's, he's, Just fantastic. Yeah. He's, uh, Elton's the man. And, I, you know, his, uh, his autobiography, I'll, I'll be brief, his autobiography, you know, the guy was has been less than a saint his whole life. And he, he <laughs> the first one to tell you that, but I've, and I, I, I could be wrong by a mile here, but I've always kind of gathered from his words, a, a real humanity to him outside of, you know, his tremendous faults. Right. You know, I've, there's something about his mojo uh, despite all that, that I've always really loved. 
and he could be the worst person on earth, you know, so I might be wrong, right. but, uh, I've always, you know, you know, I wouldn't say he's somebody I necessarily would have looked up to as far as like morals yeah, and things no, like I know that. What you mean the there. Of, <laughs> with the amount of, you know, he was on, he was a coke addict for 15 years. Oh yeah. He stores half of Columbia off the map. You know, so it's just, it's just crazy. But I, I, I love Elvin. Just yeah. love him. You know, he, so. Yeah, I, I, I know, like, I've heard, like, you know, he could, he could be, you know, a little much at times sometimes, but he does seem very genuine, and he does seem very cool, so, yeah, I, I agree with you there. Right. Definitely. Well, yeah. This has been a lot of fun, Brian. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this. I've I, I probably seemed a little random, me reaching out to do this, but I enjoyed doing our Tom Waits episode on Pods and Sods, and I enjoy listening to you on Pods and Sods, and it's great that you come on and do my show, too, so I really appreciate that. You are too kind. Uh, I, I was thrilled that you reached out. I've been waiting to talk about Elton John uh, on somebody's podcast at some point because I, I do not have my own podcast. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I've been on with those guys. I've been on with uh, Lee McCormick on his Tramps Like Us nice. uh, podcast. And uh, uh, there's been a threat for me to be on some other podcasts too. So we'll, <laughs> we'll see about that one day. But uh I, I, I love talking about music that I love with like-minded people and you're a gentleman and, uh, and I've had so much fun doing it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, well, till next time, I'm your host, The Sly Dog. And until then, peace, love, and music. I woke this evening with the smell of wood smoke clinging Like a gentle cobweb hanging upon a painted teepee Oh, I went to see my chieftain with my warlance and my woman For he told us that the yellow moon would very soon be leaving this I can't believe, I said, I can't believe our warlord's dead. Oh, we will not leave the chosen ones to the buzzards and the soldiers' guns. Oh, great father of the Iroquois, ever since I was young. I've read the writing of the smoke And breastfed on the sound of drums I've learned to hurl the tomahawk And ride a painted pony wild To run the gauntlet of the Sioux To make a chieftain's daughter mine And now you ask that I should watch Slowly crushed What kind of words are these to hear From yellow dog whom a white man fears
There seems no reason why I should carry on In this land that once was my land I can find a home It's lonely and it's quiet And the horse soldiers are coming And I think it's time I strung my bow And ceased my senseless running Soon I'll find the yellow moon Along with my loved ones Where the buffaloes graze in clover fields Without the sound of guns And the red sun sinks at last Into the hills of gold And peace to this young warrior Comes with a bullet
Thank you for listening to the Sly Dog Music Cast. If you want to know what's going on, follow me on Twitter at Sly Dog Music Cast or Facebook at Sly Dog Music Cast. Thanks again for listening. Peace, love, and music.